Hey everyone, a very eventful day in the Devil's Universe, as we say au revoir, or really bon voyage, to Taylor Hall, uh, who has been traded, as of this afternoon we're recording on Monday, to the Arizona Coyotes. So, before we delve into that and talk about some of the results from last week, and I'm sure many of you have burning questions about the value that the Devils got back for this trade, I'm Dan Roselle. I've been sitting on pins and needles all day waiting for this to happen, and uh, when it finally did, it was equal parts cathartic and equal parts disappointing. So, John, what was your take on the saga as it developed? I had, I had a sus- I knew it was going to happen because you don't hold out players for precautionary reasons unless you have a deal close to being in place or a bunch of deals close to being in place. And I also knew that given the situation. Hall's on an expiring contract. Hall's not having the world's greatest season. And, of course, his cap, his salary cap hit is not exactly the cheapest. Not super expensive, but not the cheapest. Um, I knew that the Devils were going to get pennies on the dollar, so to speak. So I believe Mr. Shero ended up with getting as many pennies as he could. Mm-hmm. And... Um, It'll never be. It'll most likely be never enough to replace Taylor Hall. But for all of those who believe so wholeheartedly that hey, you should get whatever you can instead of letting a guy walk away for nothing, well, you got exactly that. You got a whole lot of stuff. It remains to be seen if it will be anything. But that's a discussion at a later point. Mm-hmm. And the the long term of this, if you want to trace it back that way, as we tend to do with trades, is that you got Adam Larson for a package of a lot of other things well it was a roundabout way to get there but given that the results have been almost no better uh that's that's not true i mean (laughs) taylor hall did win a heart trophy he did he he played a hell of a lot better than adam larson ever could in nhl by ea i'm saying for the prime years of taylor hall they got a playoff appearance and a return package that was better than what they got him for okay i can i can sort of agree with that Sort of. Sort of. I okay. Mean, well, well, like I said, we'll talk about the details of the deal mm-hmm. in a little bit, but we, we have to take care of some business, Dan. True, and uh, we'll take care of business our, on our end, unlike the Devils did against Dallas and Colorado. Oh, oh they did not take care of business They did Dallas. not at all take care of business in Dallas. That game was about as lackluster as we've seen them this season, and they still only lost 2 nothing. But yeah. good God, that was a chore to watch. That was one of the worst performances of the whole season. And there's been a lot of bad performances this season. Yes, they only lost by two goals. That's because Mackenzie Blackwood was the only devil that actually showed up and played above his level. He didn't play to his level. He played above his level, Dan. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, is that, you know, and I preach this a lot. This is a big reason why I, I'm big into stats and all this is that you can't just look at a score and go, oh, two nothing. It wasn't that bad, was it? No, this was really bad. The Devils had less than 10 shots total. They barely had 10 shooting attempts total in the first two periods of that game. It was a terrible game. And unfortunately, given what happened earlier this afternoon, it turns out to be the last appearance of Taylor Hall in a devil sweater. And honestly, Dad, if you were to tell me Taylor Hall didn't really play that night, I would believe you because he sure as hell did not play anything like Taylor Hall that night. Mm-hmm. Nobody did. No no one played well. And it was his. Blackwood was the only one. And it ended up being his last game in a Devil's uniform. And what a way to go out. Just a whimper on the road with 
I mean, they, they weren't expected to do well. The Stars have been pretty much on a heater since the first eight games of the season. They, they fell off a little bit uh, of, of recent, but they very much look like the better team than they were, where yeah, the score was only 2 nothing, like you said, with Black with Blackwood just playing above his head. But I feel like if they press a little more, it could have easily been worse. They just didn't feel the need to because the Devils couldn't manufacture a single thing offensively that game. They barely got a single thing defensively right in that game. And yet we're bailed out. Yes. So thank, with that in mind, the game in Colorado was better. Mm-hmm. See, the Devils didn't stink in that game. They just ran into a very hot goaltender who, mind you, has been very hot all season. It wasn't like he's one of those random goalies you've never heard of that has a randomly great game out of nowhere. He's been having great games all season. Mm-hmm. And this was the first game we got to see, you know, we got all of last season, but with this new roster and all these changed over players, this is the first time we got to see what this team looks like without Hall. Yes. Uh, they put Jesper Bratt up with uh, Nico Heischer, who was returning that game from the flu mm-hmm. or some sort of illness, and Kyle Palmieri. And, um, well, that line didn't do so much, but it wasn't the worst thing in the world. Mm-hmm. I guess that's where you're kind of at when it comes to praise with this team this season. (laughs) Um, But truth be told, the Devils played a much better game. I thought the Avalanche were going to, well, drop an avalanche on the Devils and, you know, score a bajillion goals. And knowing, knowing that Taylor Hall was a precautionary scratch minutes before the game with one of the uh, Avalanche broadcasters claiming he saw, he claimed to have seen Taylor Hall's bag in the hallway. uh, You know, you're wondering, okay, this is this this has all the makings of a real nightmare of a performance, and it wasn't bad. Mm-hmm. It really wasn't. Like Blackwood, at, like Deming gave up one bad goal. He hurt himself. Blackwood came in. He played great. But the Devils did a lot of the good things in that game against a good Colorado team on the road. They just the goaltender was just better. And well, you know they lost one three, but that's you know miles ahead of of whatever whatever the hell what that was on Tuesday in Dallas. And. That's the thing where if you have that kind of loss in a season where you're middle of the pack or towards the top of your division, you can accept that because that's yeah. a very good Colorado team with Francis having the game of all games that time because the Devils actually manufactured stuff. But that's something you can swallow when your season doesn't look the way it has so far. Correct. But to quote the former coach of the New Jersey Devils, Dan, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Well... That's going to haunt me in my nightmares. But the next day, Mackenzie Blackwood played his third game of the week as the Devils looked to be poised for another L on a back-to-back. But instead, they went into Arizona without Taylor Hall again. Uh, The the future Coyotes sat this one out, and the Devils managed to scoop up a win with another excellent performance by Blackwood. And his last couple of games have been really, really something. Oh, absolutely. I mean... Of all the players on the team for, the, say, the past couple weeks, the one player you really can't fault that much is Blackwood. Now, granted, the fact that you've been, after years of hearing about how, oh, if only the Devils had got great goaltending. Well, now the Devils have a goaltender playing great in a couple games as of late, and this is the first win since Thanksgiving. Uh, oh, and and I, it speaks to a lot of the other issues with the team. Again, the power play, not threatening at all. The penalty kill, okay, they gave up a penalty kill goal. You know, they have great underlying numbers, but, you know, that tells you that a great penalty kill is not going to lead to a lot of wins necessarily. But most importantly, the the run of play, the 
turning all your defensive situations into offense. I thought the Devils in general played an even game against Arizona. I thought they did a lot of good things after playing in Colorado the night before. Um, I would say Arizona was definitely a bit lethargic to start the game. And Mm -hmm. even though Arizona picked it up in the second period and really took the Devils to school for most of that period, the Devils actually responded well in the third period. Kyle Palmieri gets a short, short side shot pass, a very good Darcy Cooper. Mm-hmm. Again, Arizona's had great goaltending this season. Uh, so the Devils were able to eke out two goals against them. Blackwood won the goalie duel. There's your first W for Elaine Nazardine, your first win of what we can now say is the post-Hall era mm-hmm. under Ray Shero. And uh, Mike McLeod scooped up two points that game. Everyone thought he scored his first NHL goal, but bad yes. guy Boquist managed to get a tip on that just before it crossed the line. But uh, McLeod played pretty well that game, I think. He was he was very present, and while they sent him down in a paper transaction for all intents and purposes, yeah. uh, I, I think he's not going to you know spend very long as a rostered Binghamton Devil, and he's coming right back up. Oh, he'll definitely play in the next couple games. I don't think he's done enough to establish himself here. But he did have arguably his best game as a devil in New Jersey, I should say. His best game in Arizona. And by the way, I'm glad you brought up Boakfist's uh, tap-in, which, don't get me wrong, if, if it leads, if it makes a goal happen, make it a goal. You yep. know, Leave nothing to doubt, it, especially on this team right. when it comes to scoring. But that goal, Boakfist's uh, credit, also took away what should have been a secondary assist for P.K. Subban. That's right. And he remained without a point in, what, his last 16 games? I think it's 20 now. 20 now? Yeah, okay. It's so. been a long time. And unfortunately, the broadcast was also quick to point out there's a lot of other Devils who are going on some negative streaks like right now. Like, Zaka hasn't scored in 20 games. Simmons hasn't scored in over 15 games. Hughes. Jack Hughes hasn't scored in 14 games. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of guys on this team who are just not scoring or not getting points and it goes to what sort of what i alluded to earlier is that you can have the great goaltending but guess what you still need to score goals to win games whether it's the regular season or the playoffs you need the goals to win that was the the area of need that was the area of need for arizona that's the only reason the devils managed to win that game is because arizona you know they they have They've had issues goal scoring for a little bit, so they went out and got Phil Kessel in the offseason. But their goalies have been so good this year that they have the record they do. Hall just got there, and he's already their leading point scorer. Well, I mean, if you add in all the New Jersey points, yeah, absolutely, he would be. I mean, you take a quick peek at the uh, you know NHL.com, and among all the other divisional teams outside of the Islanders, Arizona only has scored 97 goals, and that's including five shootout wins. So Mm -hmm. they truly have scored only 92 goals, which is the fewest, well, the second fewest, except for the Islanders, among all the teams that are currently holding on to a divisional playoff spot. They're currently first in the Pacific right now. Mm -hmm. They're hanging on by a a thread, but they're first in the Pacific. They have an amazing goal differential because, again, as you said, the goalies have only allowed 82 goals, which is remarkable 35 games into the season. Mm Mm-hmm. So, and the Pacific, you know, they have the benefit of the Pacific kind of seemingly going on. They're very streaky, some of these teams. Edmonton yeah. will win five and then lose seven or something like that for no reason. You know, the Flames yeah. didn't get out as to as hot a start as they would have wanted. Vegas wasn't at the level that we've seen no. in the last couple of years. So the Coyotes, while they are beneficiaries of a pretty weak division, they're still playing pretty well. Their goalies, like you said, are really holding down the fort with this tandem, and who could have seen a coming of Darcy Kemper and Antti Ranta? Yeah, and on top of that, Arizona is also one of the best road teams in the NHL. It's it's actually stark. That, that win that Arizona had 
Oh, I'm sorry, not the win, the loss that Arizona <laughs> just had to New Jersey in Arizona was their eight, I believe it was their eighth regulation loss of the season. They're eight, eight and one at home. They are, they go put them on the road. They're 11, four and three They're That's one of the best road records in, in the entire league. So, I mean, that tells you that in a way Arizona is pretty well structured because winning on the road requires you to be well structured. You don't get that last change. You're, you have to get adjust to new situations. You don't get practices and all that other fun stuff that you get as a beneficiary of being at home. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, and I'll and I'll explain why the hopefully for our sake. Yep. <laughs> uh, hopefully, they turn it around at home going forward. And all the same, the Devils are done with Arizona this season. They don't play yeah. them again. So. So no need for any awkwardness or anything like that. But yeah, that's the recap of the games for the week. That's a, a win and two losses. And honestly, the results are. Pretty inconsequential at this point with what yep. just occurred today, and from and this point of the season, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> from this point of the season on, uh, it just kind of feels that what we're looking for most is the development of the young guys, how they grow into this role, how this team adjusts to losing not only a strong presence on the ice but off the ice as well. He was a vocal voice in the locker room. Uh, it's a different dynamic in there now, and a lot of the team still looks very new but he was one of the ones that had been through a couple of seasons with the devils already and now he's gone so it's going to be an interesting end to the season not for any sort of meaningful you know victorious reasons but definitely to see who's going to be sticking around and if the number ones can develop into those faces of the franchise that they're meant to be or we have another edmonton Oilers situation on our hands where the devils hover around the bottom of the league acquire every number one draft pick until they finally get the literal Jesus of hockey, and then all of a sudden they're good again. Except Badminton could could very easily miss the playoffs. Right. Because <laughs> outside of McDavid and Dreisaitl and Miko Koskinen playing out of his mind, that's not a very good hockey team, Dan. <laughs> well, which is why, you know, enough tanking, because at this point, clearly the number ones aren't helping in a way that's meaningful enough yet. I say yet because they are still both very, very young boys, but... They, you know, if you're looking for an impact number one player, you're not going to get that in every draft. There are a couple before, you know, Matthews, um, McDavid, obviously, but even Eichel at number two was immediately an impact player for Buffalo. The cards just didn't fall that way with Nico, and Jack Hughes is the first player to go from the U.S. development team straight to the NHL. So I'm sure he's experiencing a unique learning curve that no one else ever has. So I. I don't know. I don't. I definitely don't want to be in the running for another number one pick. But given that it's Alexis Lafreniere, some lottery luck wouldn't certainly wouldn't hurt. But I'd be satisfied with you know picking in the top five is still going to give them a good chance to acquire an impact player, and maybe they can start addressing some other positions instead of taking the best available at the moment. Although it seems like the offense has been the thing that's most let us down this year. Right, and. and- just to take a step back with the whole draft thing, I think a lot of fans need to understand that this is not like, you know, the NBA where, you know, if you're not picking in the top five, you know, you're not going to, you know, you're rolling the dice on a player. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, the likelihood of having a quote unquote impact player at age 18 isn't very high at 10 or 12 or Mm -hmm. 18 or 23 or 30. But if you do your work, you do your homework your scouts put in the efforts. They identify what's legit and what's not legit. You will find very good players. I mean, 
you know, we could spend days going over how many important players there are on very many different teams that weren't even picked in the first round at all. Mm -hmm. Which is important to note because that's kind of a big part of what happened earlier today and how it impacts the team going forward. That being said, you're absolutely right. With nothing really to play for at this point, because right now, as we're talking, Dan, the Devils are currently five points behind Ottawa. And yes, the Devils will have two games in hand of them by the end of the night. But, you know, that presumes that the Devils could win those two games. (laughs) You know, the the Devils are only better than, you know, you look at the rest of the NHL. They're only better than, oh, this is sad. They're only better than one other team in the NHL right now. That's Detroit. And Detroit is the only team that's... They're the only team that's worse than them in goals allowed and goals scored. The exactly. only one. Yeah, and, and and fittingly, they're the only team with the worst record. Right. Weird you know. how that works. Right. So to that end, you know, the, the Devils would need a near miracle run just to get into playoff contention. Never right. mind realistic playoff contention. I'm talking moving up to fifth or sixth in the division. You know, sixth on the bottom in the division. Mm-hmm. You know, never mind. You know, hell, they may even need a miracle just to get past the Columbuses and the Ottawas of the of the East. And the thing That's is, kind that of where they're at right now. Well, we kind of got spoiled by that Lemare near miracle, but that was Jacques Lemare. That wasn't Alain Nazardine, a rookie Correct. coach who was under the same staff that and the was system. same staff and system that was wildly unsuccessful. The one thing I will say is that it's very clear that the players really, really love these guys because the cheers for Nazardine after that first win. You know, I read that they could hear them echoing down the hallway. They were all really, really thrilled to get that for him. They clearly respect the guy a lot, but, you yeah, know, that's like not – it doesn't lead to winning games. They also respected yeah, Hines. Yes. But, uh, again, it's 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 a thing where it wasn't – it should be crystal clear that it wasn't an issue of the person himself, unlike some of the other coach firings we've seen, and really what will inevitably be Nazardine, I think, being let go, but – it's not an issue of like a personal relationship, which is, which is fine. At least you know then what you can pinpoint. But the players aren't—they're miserable because they're losing. They're not miserable because they're being run into the ground and being treated like dirt. You know, right? That's at least value. reassuring. Yeah, that's that's good. Mm-hmm. Buy a ticket today. <laughs> yeah, buy a ticket. We are the ones. Great seats are very available. We are the ones minus the biggest one. So how how bad do you think the attendance is going to be on a Wednesday night against Anaheim? Oh, it's going to be brutal. Again, many great seats will be available. Everybody, go buy them today. Even if you're listening to the podcast just as it got posted. But go to the game expecting to see. You know, go to the game not expecting to get the result but look at who seems to be developing their game look at who's worth paying attention to in terms of the future of the team in terms of you know who makes the little decisions that don't harm them unlike what a lot of people on this team have done all year and really there's been moments where everyone was had a mental lapse or made a mistake that was easily avoidable but this is where they kind of show what they have for next year because it looks like things are going to have to go through a major change again. And also, before we get to the Hall trade, he's potentially not going to be the only one that's traded before February. Nope. I, I can almost You can almost guarantee he's not going to be the only one. I mean, you look at the other potential UFAs on the team, uh, rather pending UFAs, I should say. Wayne Simmons is definitely going to be talked about. Sammy Vatnin, I'm sure, will be available. Uh, Louis Domingue, if there's any type of interest in a veteran backup, I have a feeling the Devils are not going to give up on Louis Domingue, but, you know, there you go. Um, on top of that, you have future um, 
RFA. I'm sure Mirko Mueller, his spot may not be so safe. There's already been talk from uh, Elliot Friedman that Miles Wood's name has been on the trading block already. And he's a guy with, you know, two more seasons on his deal after this. So even the guys who are signed beyond 20, uh, 2020, they're not exactly safe. I'm not saying they're going to go out and trade everybody because, again, that would just be Shero admitting that everything is really screwed up. And, you know, at that point, you got to start questioning why he's even getting a, another chance at this. Mm-hmm. But nevertheless, the fact is, Dan, is that you're, the, Hall is not going to be the only guy dealt. You're absolutely right about that. Mm-hmm. And it'll be interesting to see when and where these players get dealt and what they can acquire for them. And let's just go ahead and delve into the big news of the day. Do you um, want to take a break first? Um, let's see. Yeah, we can take a break. Yep. Uh, so yeah, we can take a quick pause here and hear a word from our sponsors. Just one word. We're going to keep this a little short because we've been talking about Hall forever. And it's the holiday season. So uh, I know you guys have your assorted Christmas and whatever else plans, whatever you celebrate. So uh, we'll make it a little more digestible for you. So we'll be right back to break down the news of the day. All right, everybody, we've uh, approached the elephant in the room, and that elephant (laughs) in the room will now be wearing a sick Kachina jersey on those uh, on those Jersey nights. Taylor Hall is an Arizona coyote. And uh, you know what? So is Blake Spears. So how about that? What well, de- he's a he's a he's a Tucson coyote or a Tucson, Tucson Roadrunner. Road yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so there's a lot of feelings about this trade online, and I've yeah. seen them both in positive and negative directions. So sure, uh, I've I've kind of given my say on this situation. So if you don't mind, if I get my piece out right okay. here. Well, before you do that, can I can I relay to the people who maybe aren't fully aware of what's happening what oh, sure. the full deal because there are some terms that people got to understand there's a lot of wrinkles to this trade absolutely this, this is not one for one there there are, this is a complex trade in a sense right 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 all right so first things first the simpler side what arizona got obviously they got taylor hall and they got blake spears of note is that the devils are retaining 50 percent of taylor hall's salary so Because Arizona is a bit cap-strapped, unlike some other teams like Colorado, for example. Uh, So that was necessary to make the money work. Mm -hmm. So so they're only on the hook for 50% of Hall's money, which is $3 million, which, hey, he's easily worth $3 million. I mean, what are they spending that cap on anyway? Exactly. The Devils can totally afford it. They have tons of cap space. They have super rich owners. I'm sure the ownership is not super happy about it, but again, you got to make the money work. So that's what Arizona got in the deal. They got, obviously, the best player in the deal, and they got some throw-in named Blake Spears for Mm -hmm. Tucson. Mm -hmm. The Devils received five assets. Mm -hmm. Three of them are actual human bodies right now. The first is Nick Merkley, who is a 2015 first-round draft pick who was a bit of a head case in juniors, seemingly grew up, and then became just Mm -hmm. injury-prone. He finally made his NHL debut, I believe, this season, but he's been mostly a AHL player, you know, fighting through injuries and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe he's a converted defenseman to forward, but I have to be, I have to check up on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is his third organization, by the way. Uh, he was originally a San Jose pick, and then he moved on to Arizona, and then he's here now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other, the second body is an, another Tucson player by the name of Nathan Schnarr. He is a six foot three center. He kind of kills penalties. Oh, I think he, you're thinking he, of the other Merkley, by the way. Oh, I am. Oh, Ryan, Merkley Ryan Merkley is the Sharks guy. 
Oh, I stand corrected. I got my Merkleys mixed up, everybody. Yeah, this is Nick Merkley. He's just injury prone. He's not Kelowna to Tucson. <laughs> yeah. I stand corrected, everybody. Nick Merkley. Anyway, <laughs> he's a he's another AHLer. Okay? But not a head case. Not a head case. I apologize to Nick Merkley and his family. <laughs> anyway, Nathan Schnarr, big, kind of plays two-way. He's apparently in his first pro season in uh, AHL hockey. At the least, he should help out Binghamton because Lord knows Binghamton needs all the help that they can get. Mm-hmm. And then the third body, and maybe the most interesting of the of the three, are is Kevin Ball. Mm-hmm. If you're one of those Devils fans or hockey fans who believes that all a defense need is a big man who's strong and shuts guys down, then Kevin Ball is probably a guy you should be excited about, as he is six foot seven and projects to be one of those shutdown defensemen in an era where the game is getting away from shutdown players entirely. Yeah, and that was you know, a big point CJ was making about how that's what mindset Shiro seems to be adopting just to yep. factor in some of his most recent yep. picks and Mizuel and yep. Akatuk and those dudes that are trending to be bigger, bulkier defensemen when the league is moving away from that. So if you if you right. Shiro haters out there are paying attention, this is one of the points that you grasp onto because the Devils have been so bad at allowing goals for years now. Right. But however, Ball is different from a lot of the, your stereotypical big, strong defenders mm-hmm. is that he's actually really good at skating. He's actually been working with skating coaches and he actually does have some skill with the puck. Um, granted, it's at the junior level. It's with the uh, 67s, along with uh, fellow uh, Devils prospects, o- Okotyuk and uh, Holscher. Yeah. And of course, um, Graham Clark, who's injured right now. Mm-hmm. So. Nevertheless, Ball might be somebody someday, and if he does become somebody someday, it eases some of the pain of this uh, of this trade. Mm-hmm. Now, let's talk about the two assets that actually mean something here, yep. or could mean something if certain conditions are met. Yep, yep. So there's one easy one right away. It's a first round yep. pick in 2020 that Correct. we knew was coming. However, that pick is lottery protected. Mm-hmm. So if Arizona fails to make the playoffs and they win one of the three lotteries for first, second, or third overall then the Devils don't get that pick. It becomes an unprotected first-round pick in 2021. That's the protection. If they miss the playoffs and don't win a lottery, then the Devils get that pick wherever it ends up. And uh, if they miss the playoffs, I'm pretty worried about them winning the lottery potentially because Taylor Hall's on their roster. There is a reason why they added the protection. True. (laughs) But then again, if you figure, hey, Arizona's going to be maybe bad next season, an unprotected extra first-rounder may go nicely with this other 2021 pick that they picked up so this is technically a 2021 conditional third Mm -hmm. that could be upgraded to a first if two conditions are met Mm -hmm. and these are some pretty hefty conditions by the way dan Mm -hmm. the first is that hall has to resign with the the coyotes Mm -hmm. which let's be real i wouldn't put a lot of money on that unless he learns to love glendale arizona that part seems unlikely just because and we'll go into this when we talk about the return but the main reason that the return wasn't what a lot of people were expecting was darren ferris essentially where his agent was telling him and hall probably felt similarly because he's never been a free agent before that this is the offseason to try and get your money but without that assurance that he would be re-signing there it was hard to acquire like many better pieces correct that being said the second condition that needs to be met and it's an and condition to make that third into a first so Mm -hmm. both of this has to happen Mm -hmm. arizona needs to win a playoff round which mind you 
if Arizona wins a playoff round or two, that might help Arizona's case of keeping Taylor Hall. Sure. Since he wants playoff success, well, you just got some playoff success. Well, and if one of those conditions is met, and if only one is met, yeah. then the Devils' third upgrades to a second. So we're rooting right. for them to either be very bad, miss the playoffs, and not win the lottery, or make the playoffs and win a round. Well, given that, yes, they're kind of hanging on to first in the Pacific by a thread right now, their, goaltender, their goaltenders have been so good, so unless they, you know, their their play basically drives off a cliff, which of which there are many, as I understand, in Arizona. Mm. So it's not without, you know, possibility. But if their goaltending doesn't fall off a cliff and guys don't get hurt and the offense continues to sputter, you know, then I could see them missing the playoffs. But if they can keep it copacetic, they can keep it even, they can keep doing what they're doing and Hall turns around and starts becoming a five-on-five play driver again, which he started showing signs of with the Devils in the past month or so, and he gets his goal scoring going, then Arizona probably makes the playoffs. They probably maybe even have a home you know, home ice advantage in the playoffs, given the, how the Pacific is kind of weak. Mm-hmm. And when you're around, hey, you get a second-round pick. Job done. They're basically hoping that Hall positively regresses, and all indications are that he should because the guy's – shooting at a 5.5% right now. That right. is completely uncharacteristic, not just for him, like it's even more for him, but for the whole league. Yeah, that's not a shooting percentage you see often, and it probably doesn't help that they were spending a lot of time playing from behind. Correct. So the, the, the reason why I call these two picks the big assets is because if the Devils can find good NHL players, no, are you going to find the next Taylor Hall with either of these picks? Probably not. Mm-hmm. But if you can get Good, solid players, guys who can contribute for the next five to ten years, guys who are you know your second liners, your third liners, or hey, here's a bold idea, a goalie. Mm. Hey, you know, you're not gonna you're not gonna ever make up what you lost in terms of haul, but it eases the pain. It, it, instead of making this trade being like thirty five cents for for a dollar, it's seventy five cents for a dollar. That's kind of where you're going with. So good luck to Ray Shero, Paul Castron, and the scouts for making those picks work, assuming you're around in 2020 and 2021 to make them. Yeah, and it kind of feels like so far they haven't really worked. I mean, the number ones overall were, I wouldn't say they're easy choices. Nothing's an easy choice, but they were as easy as it probably gets in that regard. I don't know. Ty Smith, Ty Smith looks is looking good. He does. He does look good. But again, this is a guy who didn't make this roster out of training camp, and we've seen well, what I'm they can put together. Well, I'm glad he didn't together. make this roster out of training camp. No, thank God. Yeah, his Could confidence would have been destroyed. <laughs> he probably would be like, "Why am I playing this game? Maybe I'm not meant to play hockey. Maybe I should take up tiddlywinks or something. I don't know." <laughs> yes, that's where my brain jumps to first as well. But um, you know, they, they got the brats, the Boquis, what have you. But you know, beyond that, there hasn't been much in the pipeline that's actually helped them win games that's the big issue that happening here but overall like i think the takeaway from this has to be that for a rental player and it's very clear that this person's a rental hall has made it clear ferris has made it clear that they want to test the free agent market and again why shouldn't he yeah it's his right Mm mm-hmm his chance to make his money. Absolutely. Get the money, get paid. But for, you know, not having an assurance that he's going to resign, there's not really much that could have been done. So I don't love that they went for quantity over specific quality. Maybe try to get some fewer assets. But that first round pick is pretty good. The conditions on it, I think Arizona can win a playoff round. I think they're capable of that this year. But they have to hit on those picks or they just let an MVP 
not walk for nothing, but walk for nothing of value. It's a different situation than John Tavares because they literally lost him for nothing. But now look at the Islanders. They're, I'm not saying the Devils are going to turn around immediately. The Islanders also got a pretty quality coach. And now and the goaltending. Devil, and goaltending, yeah. And the Devils get to do that same coaching search with a team that is losing its best player. They have to have someone usher in the era of Nico and Jack, which is what it is. So overall, while I don't, you know, I'm not in love with the return, it's probably one of the better offers that was out there, just given how handicapped they were in this situation. Well, I question whether or not the Devils have no one to blame but themselves for putting themselves in this situation, because I get the sense that a deal was probably being close to being made Friday night, the Colorado game, because, again, Hall was scratched minutes before puck drop. Mm-hmm. Like, he showed up at the arena, he had his stuff with him, and then all of a sudden it's, you ain't playing tonight because, you know, we don't want to risk you getting hurt. And then they did it again in Arizona. And the fact he flew back with the team, at least as I understand it, he flew back with the team, mm-hmm. um, you know, it almost you almost played your hand too much. You're like, you're pretty much telling the world, hey, we're moving this guy, except we didn't. Mm-hmm. So what else, you know, the offers I'm getting aren't good enough, and you start losing leverage because now you're getting close to the holiday roster freeze, which is uh, Thursday. And, you know, it almost looks like you have to make a move. You know, you have to take whatever you can. Uh, otherwise, you risk losing out. And then you have to you're stuck with Hall and everybody has egg on their face for a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'll agree that for a rental deal, getting this type of return isn't bad. I would also question why didn't share a push for like a goaltending prospect, even if it's a quote unquote, a B level goaltending prospect with the goaltending that the devils have in their system, they kind of need all the goalies that they can get. I don't think they really needed Kevin ball, as you mentioned, because they drafted all these big, strong dudes, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, last, you know, back in June, they don't really need another ball or even another schnar. Like, they, yes, they, they, need some, they need some goalies. Yes. But reading the reports on ball, at least, and I, I do put a, lot of stock in what Corey Pronman says because he manages to see these dudes more than anyone else ever will and should besides yeah. pro scouts and he says immediately that ball is probably the second or third best prospect in the devil system which is not a bad thing to add in a trade for a player that you know is like very unlikely to resign correct I mean again you know, the leverage was never going to be fully in the devil's favor just because everyone and their mother knows that, hey, if you don't get the deal done, roll the dice on July 1st and hope your guy signs or rather roll your dice after the draft and between July 1st, that weird period, talking period where you're not supposed to technically talk about details, except that they do. You you know what I'm talking and about. And that wasn't even a real. They couldn't wait till free agency. Like that, that wasn't even a sure thing, even if they had made the play, like even if they were looking to be on a path to making the playoffs, like he still could have very much tested the market, even if they had won a couple rounds. Yeah, absolutely. We saw it with Zach Parise. We saw it with uh, a bunch of other players, um, which, of course, is escaping me at the moment. But you're right. You know, it's his right as a free agent to test the market. I mean, just like not the same scale of example, but Foligno left the penguins for the predators right after the predators lost them yeah that's that's a very good example marion hosa same deal <laughs> twice yeah. yeah it happens i mean and you you know there's also stuff behind the scenes you and i will never know and you know that could play a factor you know how good your organization is how does your organization treat you you know after wins after losses off Sorry. days etc i said felino i meant bonino whoops okay wrong wrong guy with a vowel last yeah it's it, it's fine <laughs> Mistakes are made. Yeah. We make. Sometimes well, how can I the forget devil... that call of Nick Bonino from the playoffs a couple of years ago. Come on. 
Well, the fact that you couldn't remember it now is a good example of how you how you could forget it. Like I knew who I was talking about, but there's so many Felinos floating around too. There's uh, the brothers Felino and the coaches Felino and the scouts. So we got uh, Benino. Uh, but anyway, go on. The point is, yes, is that I, I question whether or not, you know, did the Devils really have to push to make a deal happen now? Could is, could they have just stayed quiet for another month, make a move around the All Star? all-star uh, game where maybe you know guys or teams are thinking more like desperately about oh we need this now to make our team better because mm-hmm. you know we're in the middle of december right now i mean okay the devils are most likely not going to make it we know detroit's not going to make it but there's a bunch of teams that you know they go on a quick little run and all of a sudden they're in the mix to quote mm-hmm. pk Subban, you know in the mix mm-hmm. i don't know exactly what that means because i'm old but they got to get in the mix dan you know, Tampa Bay wins a couple games in a row. They're not feeling so depressed about everything. Toronto wins a couple games. You know, the local media there will start planning the parade. You know, if Calgary wins a couple games again, you know, they're back in a, you know, a guaranteed playoff spot. If Edmonton wins a couple games, their fan base will start f- stop freaking out over the fact that everything's falling apart like it usually does for Edmonton. Mm-hmm. The point I'm trying to make here is that it's still early enough in the season for a lot of teams to sit there and go, you know, things really aren't that bad. We don't need a game-breaking forward to really put us over the top right now. You could wait another month or two to do that. And maybe by then, the deals could have been a bit better. But, again, I don't know what's been going on behind the scenes that made Shero decide that I got to start taking calls on November 30th and I got to move this guy by before Christmas. I, I maybe think something, had, something broke down personally. Maybe it's just Shero just saying, look, the season's lost. Let me cut my losses now and, you know, suck it up. Hope that the team plays a little bit better with an different voice in the room and some younger guys and no guy you know no contract weighing down on a team so to speak you know maybe i I think it could have been some combination of both of those the hockey just the perspective that they're in from a standings point of view but also you know i i think shiro and hall had a very good personal working relationship and i think this is the kind of thing where he just wanted to make sure he got it done before the roster freeze so Hall could start adjusting to whatever team he sent him to. I think he noticed that, you know, things were going very miserably. And for a player that wasn't going to re-sign anyway, you might as well give him a chance. I think I think the personal relationship definitely played into why the move was made now. But I, I also, again, don't think that when the urgency goes up to make a move as they crawl closer to July 1st, the offers would have been all that much better unless they knew he was re-signing. Correct. And that's really the harsh reality of the situation. Is that, and that's why I said the Devils don't really have leverage in the situation. Mm-hmm. So as a result, if you were going into this trade expecting Victor Soderstrom, Barrett Hayton, if you were thinking about Colorado giving up Bowen Byram, like we're talking about top 10 picks from recent drafts, mm-hmm. you know, unless the team sours on them that quickly, those guys were not going to be available. And correctly, they weren't. Mm-hmm. Um, just to sort of put a bow on things here, just to sort of tie it all together, Dan, I think from an Arizona perspective, they obviously won the deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, they get the best player. They don't have to pay him full price. And they didn't really give up a lot unless the Devils hit big on that those two picks. Or Kevin Ball becomes a monstrous defenseman. Mm-hmm. Or both. Um, I don't think the Devils did terribly. Again, I question why not pull for a goalie prospect just to add to that pipeline that really needs it. Um but without knowing what other teams were offering, again, for all we know, Colorado offered a similarly spare parts level deal. Florida offered something spare parts. I will say I appreciate Shero going for 
futures and young prospects, so to speak, instead of trying to get an NHL player? Because could you imagine if the Devils got an NHL player in return in this deal? Yeah, that would... That guy would be compared to Hall so unfair. Even if he was a defenseman or a goalie, yep. it would not be fair at all. Like, you're not as good as Hall. It's like, yeah, of course he's not good as Hall. I mean, look at Adam Larson. He lives yes, that every exactly. day. <laughs> I know. It, I mean, we, we bring it up all the time. Yeah. I mean, it's true. But, you know, in, in a sense, I'm glad that you don't have to worry so much about that. Like, this was a deal that you make that when your season is lost, you know you're not going to re-sign Hall. So you just get a bunch of stuff as much as you can i'm not i don't hate it i don't love it i guess the best word i could use for it is i'm whelmed i'm not underwhelmed i'm not overwhelmed i'm whelmed and this that's probably like the only measured reaction to have because you don't know what the yield will be yet you have no idea no one has any idea so yeah. it's hard to tell this trade. Like from arizona's perspective this is a clear like low risk potentially very very high reward deal to make for a rental player that is unlike any other player in the league for the devil's perspective they got all futures and prospects so until these guys start panning out and even though it looks like some of them might not you have no idea who won the deal from the devil's perspective they have to wait a little more to to really see did this set them back for longer than they thought or did they actually use this to acquire some nice assets because you don't even you don't necessarily have to use both of those picks that you get no you have you now have options you can move up in the draft you can trade down for more picks you could I don't know, wildly move a first-round pick for a goalie. Just to pick a random example. Yeah, that'd be weird. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think overall, you know, just as a... You put a bow on it, I just want to say some, like, personal thanks to the guy. Sure. and he, He's not listening, probably, no. but... Uh, I really do appreciate all that he brought in his time with the Devils. He always had a really good attitude about things, and, you know, towards the end when things soured with the fans, I think there were... Some choice words that were said on both sides that may have been misinterpreted, but overall, he is the only reason that the Devils have more than one playoff appearance this decade. He is the only MVP in team history. He mm -hmm. was absolutely electric to watch. He helped usher in um, what is now the future of Devils hockey, and it was it was really cool to watch him night in, night out do his thing when he was at you know the peak of his game. Before the injuries... Um, or even around the injuries, that MVP season was really something special to watch. And I, I, you know, I appreciate all the good memories he gave us as one of the most talented forwards to ever play for this team. Absolutely. His legacy will be defined in the future by the fans because that's ultimately who defines the legacies of players. Mm -hmm. But this is not going to go down like Ilya Kovalchuk. It is very dramatic. His now second exit from the NHL, apparently, which is happening today, in fact, uh, he was put on unconditional waivers. Press F in the chat to uh, pay your respects. Nor he will be treated by Zach Parise, who, you know, some fans are still salty about, you know, because free agency. No, Hall was, um, for a lot of people, if you became a fan after 2012, Hall was probably the very best forward you ever got to see. And he is indeed one of the best forwards the Devils have ever had. He didn't last super long, like less than 300 games total. Uh, not even four full seasons, but as you said, he had one of the best seasons by an individual skater in team history. It was absolutely wonderful and a joy to watch when he was on his game. He was a reason why you cared about the Devils, even if they were only going to win 30 games that season. Mm -hmm. You knew from day one that he was just head and shoulders more talented and faster than everyone else on the team back in 2016. And even before the knee injury, when that season was going down the drain because of bad goaltending, bad coaching, bad defense, always putting in the work and putting up 
numbers analogous to his MVP season from a non-race perspective and even close to a production perspective. So the guy was really a special player. I really do think the Devils got the best year ever in his entire career. I wish it led to more than just one playoff appearance and one playoff win out of five games. But as he said, Dan, he's a major reason why there was even a second playoff appearance in this entire decade. So that's off the hall. Thank you very much. I I appreciate it. Arizona win in the playoffs. (laughs) Yes, please. For all of us. And Um, re-sign in Arizona. I want second pick at first 2021. That would be great. Um, Another thing that I just wanted to... Uh, throw in there is that I appreciate how in his 12 minute press call when all of this was going down he definitely gave the devils a lot of respect and maybe more than they deserve but he uh, he thanked them for making him into a better player for really you know helping to take his game from as he said a crossroads to being the guy on the top line wing and he said that some of his best memories of his career so far were the playoff run and when the fans chanted MVP at him. And I do appreciate him focusing on that and not the uglier side of things that happened this season. Absolutely. All right. So with that being said, a very sad goodbye as we look forward to the future of the New Jersey Devils. Don't forget to tweet at us, comment on where the podcast is posted and also take a look at some of these prospects. But when you're watching games from here on out, Just know that the results are secondary to when we actually see development. The results would be great, but at this point in the season, they feel all but inconsequential. So pay close attention, you know, watch the games for yourself, do some extra work and see what the future devils are going to look like. And with that being said, thanks again for listening to Garden State of Hockey. Have a great rest of your day or night whenever you're listening to this. And if we don't, get back to you before the holidays we should but just in case you don't get to listen to that episode uh, have a very happy holiday season as well have a happy holidays